Yes, yes, you guys hear that song. You know what time it is. It is the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzi Vesugian, back here for a Chiefs preview edition. Feels like it's been a long time since we've last done that, but nonetheless, here we are back at it again here on the podcast. Appreciate you guys for downloading and listening to this podcast, wherever it may be, whatever the time of day it is. Always greatly appreciated when you make the Chiefs Zone Podcast part of your day. As always, guys, and subscribe to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes or on Google Play, other podcasting outlets. You guys know the drill on that. If you're a returning listener, you guys understand how it works. A new episode will download automatically into your library. If you're a new listener and you're, yeah, yeah, you haven't listened before, you're subscribing for the first time. Hey, first of all, welcome in. Never too late. Always welcome in new listeners to the program. And definitely encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. So, Keep it locked in here on the podcast, and you guys can also interact with us on social media. Interactivity, always a big part of this podcast, facebook.com slash Farzimisugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like, follow me on there. A reminder that I will be doing a Facebook Live this Sunday, as we'll do for for every game now. Going to be doing a Facebook Live video at halftime during the game between the Chiefs and the Giants, and then we'll do another Facebook Live video after the game and get all of you guys' thoughts. Something that we've been doing a lot more lately, and I always love doing that because I get more of a live reaction from you guys on what you guys think. And you guys can also get a live uh, reaction from me after the fact because, uh, let's be honest, we always... We're, we're always quick to judge all things, so it's always fun to get everyone's reaction right away. You guys can also get my reaction right away to certain things, and then I'll take a few minutes to rethink about certain things, and maybe I have slightly different thoughts on the podcast, but... You guys get the idea. I always love the interaction. It also gives me a great idea how you guys feel about the game at halftime or afterwards. And it's always fun to discuss the games with you guys. As fun doing so on Twitter as well. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Give me a follow on there. You guys can email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. All right, a lot to get into. Of course, we're going to be previewing the game between the Chiefs and the Giants. And as usual... We'll wrap up the show with our closing segments going around the NFL out of bounds, and I'll throw a couple of penalty flags to wrap up the podcast. But first thing I want to get into, and this is a pretty cool story. Uh, there, there, there's a family out there, the Watson family, uh, and originally they, they were not all the Watson family. A, a couple of people had different last names here, but there's a, a gentleman with the name Marcus, uh, and I and I forgot what I don't know if it, it mentioned what his uh, last name was, his surname was before. Uh, legally changing his last name to Watson, but he and his daughter legally changed their last name to Watson, which is the last name of Marcus's stepdad, uh, which would also be uh, Madison's step-grandfather, and they recorded the video at home and uh, talking to their uh, stepdad and step-grandfather when this all happened, uh, Paul Watson, who they talked to, and they all legally changed their last names in front of a judge. Uh, the uh, the granddaughter uh, Madison and all of, all of this. She was the one who who made the announcement, and said, "Oh, we did this in front of a judge and showed the documents and everything." And it was a pretty pretty special moment, pretty adorable. Yeah, I mean, you got a little girl who's who's trying to excite uh, her. Uh, I, I guess legally speaking, would be the uh, step grandfather, and now they all have the same last name. So very special moment. They went on Ellen. And they talked about the uh, the occasion and just the emotion and, and the nice surprise. And you guys might be wondering, what in the hell does any of this have to do with the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, Ellen mentioned, she she said, she looked at Paul, I believe, and, and mentioned that he's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And they all shook their heads, yes. And I, and I, I think you can kind of tell that, that even though this is a stepfather and a step-grandfather, 
these are two guys who, or, or, or the family as a whole, you can just tell that the stepfather has played a, a vital role in their lives and a big reason why they went ginger, uh, their surname to the same last name as, as, as Paul's, uh, now all a member of the Watson family. But Ellen uh, brought up the fact that they're, they're Chiefs fans, especially Paul. And she looked at the monitor, monitor and pointed at it and said, look at that monitor right there. And Alex Smith appeared on it, and he addressed all of them by name and said that they're all going to be going to a Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, I believe uh, later this year, uh, the family received uh, four tickets, silent passes, and they'll be getting a tour of the of Arrowhead Stadium and a chance to meet Casey Wolf. Uh, they're, they're basically going to be getting the full package deal when they come to Arrowhead. It's a very cool moment. It's always nice to see moments like this. I remember Eric Berry surprised a college football player who had been uh, dealing with cancer uh, who was on Ellen, and, and Eric Berry went out uh, to surprise him, which was very cool. So I always uh, occasions like this, you always love to see, especially if it's your team that that's involved in some sort of way to, to add to the story. And that's exactly what you saw with Alex Smith giving a uh, video message to surprise his family. And then immediately someone came out with uh, Chiefs jerseys and surprised all of them with uh, personalized jerseys to give to all of the uh, all of the members of the family that were on the couch next to Alan. So very cool occasion. So I wanted to start off the show bringing that up because... I And look, obviously we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this game between the Chiefs and the Giants and break all of that down, which is what we do usually do on the podcast, and that's why you guys are tuning in. But I think moments like this are also a reminder that, look, uh, I mean, th- this is pretty cool of, of Alex Smith and the Chiefs to do. To, to they, they hear about a, a story of, of a guy who... Who's a stepdad, and obviously, uh, you know, we don't know all the details, but he has played some sort of a role in uh, in his son's life, and eventually, uh, his son's daughter, which again would be the step grandfather, but they they look at him as as a real father figure or or, or, or a real uh, grandfather, a biological grand grandfather, I should say, the more correct term. And for them to be able to do this, obviously a very special occasion, uh, and you never know if they had any troubles in the past that led them to this point and whatnot. Uh, the articles uh, do mention that uh, Paul, uh, the, the stepfather in all of this, he, he's been looking after Marcus ever since he was essentially a baby, and he's been part of his life for a very long time, and, you know... Whatever's happened in the past, it, it, it's pretty it's pretty cool just to see them get to this point now. And, of course, there were a lot of tears in all of this in the video and also uh, when they were on Ellen and when they were surprised with these uh, Chiefs tickets. And, of course, the, the full package deal. I, I mean, they're going to be getting uh, club-level seats, if I'm not mistaken. So you, you certainly can't go against that. Um, but it's cool to see. It really is. And definitely happy for the family and very cool of the Chiefs to have a hand in pulling off a surprise and adding to this story, making it even better uh, of a story. And uh, very cool to see for the Chiefs and Alex Smith to do so. Now, I'll tell you what would be very cool is if the Chiefs got back on track this week. Of course, coming off a bye week, coming off three of your last four games, ending in losses after a 5-0 start to the season. Now, look, I said this last podcast, and I'll, I usually don't like to repeat things that I've said on previous podcasts, but I think this, if there's anything that I will gladly repeat over and over again, I'll say this. Yes, the Chiefs have looked very poor in these last four games, in which they've only pulled out a win in one of them. And that was a very, very poor showing against the Denver Broncos. I mean, if it was an average offense that 
face the Chiefs, maybe the Chiefs lose that football game and we're talking about a four-game losing streak. Who knows? But at the end of the day, I have confidence in this Chiefs team trying to figure it out. I mentioned before, the schedule gets fairly easy for the Chiefs. Let me just read you the records of the team. And I mentioned the schedule before, but I, I think it's worth noting the records here. The Giants are 1-8. and eight. The Bills are 5-4. and four. The only team remaining on the schedule, uh, the, the, a team that has a record over 500. And they recently just changed quarterbacks. That I'm going to get into later. The Jets are 4-6. and six. The Raiders are 4-5. and five. Chargers are 3-6. and six. The Dolphins are 4-4. Four and four. And I, you know what's funny is I looked at the Raiders, Chargers, and Dolphins. And I, I looked at those as easy, winnable games. But I think I gave Denver way too much respect because they have a 3-6 and six record. The same record as the Chargers and a worse record than the Dolphins and the Raiders. So you're, you're looking at a fairly easy schedule here. And I asked you guys on the Facebook page, and this generated a lot of discussion here. It's something I was a little surprised by, but I simply asked you guys, considering how easy the schedule is, to finish off the season, what 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 are your expectations? What do you expect the team? How do you expect the team to finish? A lot of you guys said thirteen and three or twelve and four, expecting them to win out or finish with just one more loss before the season ends. And who knows? Maybe that one loss could be in Week Seventeen against the Broncos, where if the Chiefs have a secured spot, and regardless of the outcome of their Week Seventeen match, as well as uh, whatever may happen with the Steelers and the Patriots, if they're stuck with whatever seed, whether it's a two seed or three seed, or maybe they have the number one seed locked up going into Week 17, who knows? Maybe you see the Chiefs go ahead and do what Andy Reid did in 2013 going to Week 17. Bench all 22 starters, no reason to, to use them, right? And go out there and let the backups play while you hang on to your spot that, that you've already got secured and wrapped up. So a lot of you guys said 13 and 3, 12 and 4. A couple of you guys said 11 and 5. I did also see a couple of people say 10 and 6. A lot of people expect the Chiefs to finish the season with double digit wins on the season and certainly uh, reasonable to expect, but man, you're 6 and 3 right now. So things are looking pretty good. You've got a fairly easy schedule coming up and there is no competition in this division right now. Sure the Raiders are a bubble team and look they're playing the Raiders next or excuse me, they're playing the Patriots next. And the the Patriots, sure, are oddly enough, like the Broncos this past week, a Raiders win would actually benefit the Chiefs if you want the Chiefs to get a bye week in the playoffs. I, everyone has mixed thoughts on that, but listen, let's be honest, more times than not, we'd rather play at home regardless of our postseason success at home and regardless of Kansas City's postseason success with a bye week. At the end of the day, if you ask all 32 fan bases, what would do you, what would your ideal situation be? It would be to have the bye week and to have home field advantage secured throughout the playoffs. And if that's what you want, then essentially we would be uh, we we would be Oakland Raiders fans for just three hours, uh, hoping that the Raiders could pull off a win over the Patriots. And I believe this game is going to be in Mexico. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Raiders are or excuse, the Patriots rather they are just too powerful. And they've gotten better this year as the season's gone on. The the losses to the Chiefs and the Panthers certainly was a wake-up call, but they've seen the to rebound since then. So assuming assuming the Patriots win that game, there's just going to be an even bigger gap in AFC West. So listen, priority number one, get to the playoffs. 
and try to win the division. Because if you can win the division at the very least, you're guaranteed at least one home game. And we have not seen a lot of success at home. So it'd be nice to snap that that drought, that playoff drought, especially at home. Yes, they did do it a couple of years ago, but get, getting one at home would mean, would mean a lot more. And whatever the next game would be, whether it's on the road or at home again, it would at least, if, if they're going on the road, it'd be kind of a nice send-off uh, before they try to get to the Super Bowl, wherever the case may be in that situation. So it'd be nice to see the Chiefs try to get to that point where they can get that division title. And given that the Raiders, the second best team with a 4-5 and five record, and, and again, they're not doing too hot this season, uh, not as good as I, as I thought they'd be, the Kansas City Chiefs seem to really have this division locked up. I read you the odds last podcast, and, and for the Chiefs to win the division and to let it slip, uh, it, it, they would have to try really hard to essentially give this division up to the Raiders or the Broncos, whoever would step up in this situation. So, uh, you got to make sure that you've you've got everything locked up. One other thing I do want to touch on real quickly before before we get into the uh, Giants breakdown, because the Chargers are three and six, but they also have the most one possession football games in the league this year. And sure, that shows signs of competitiveness. But listen, at the end of the day, there are there's no statistic line in the standings column. I mean, it doesn't show anything about. About one possession games. Sure, in baseball, when you look at the standings on MLB.com or on ESPN.com, they show you a record in one-run games. And I think because it's such a longer season, it's more vital and it can play more of a role. But in football, man, with just 16 games, and something, that's not a lot. I've said this many times. One win can mean everything for a fan base. Uh, and if you just get that winning streak going, two, three wins, again... The numbers two and three don't scream a big number, but in football, those are huge because you don't have a lot of opportunities in football to, to prove yourself. So the few games that you do have, especially in college and high school, very even fewer in those levels, you've got to win as much as you can and try to limit all your losses. Whereas in baseball or basketball, you don't necessarily feel like you have to necessarily limit the losses. And I'm not saying losses are welcome in any sport, no. But it's just much more vital in football. And I feel like that's a topic that's not often discussed by football fans and the media. I, I think people forget, yes, maybe we go too crazy and we Monday uh, Monday morning quarterback everything, armchair quarterback everything, whatever you call it. And uh, listen, the, the reason is because, and we forget this as football fans at times, it's a short season. It really is. The NFL regular season goes from September to December, sometimes first week of January. It's a short season, folks. So any opportunity you can to prove yourself, you've got to do it. doesn't matter if the, if a team like the Chargers, if they've been so competitive, and if they've had a lot of one-possession games, at the end of the day, we don't have a, uh, a win-loss record for one-possession games. We have the amount of games you've won and the amount of games you lost and any tie possibilities that come into place. So at the end of the day, the Chargers are 3-6. and six. That's the only stat that matters. Not how close, how many close games they've had. Not one bit. So when you look at this schedule, the remaining schedule, you've got every reason to believe that the Chiefs are good. But the biggest reason I think the Chiefs are going to bounce back and look even better, and sure, maybe the easy schedule it helps, but they've got Andy Reid as their head coach. 
Let's not forget where this team was two years ago when they started the season 1-5 and and everyone had lost hope. And no one was even paying attention to the Chiefs. Everybody was focused on the team across the street because that team, the Royals, were getting ready for a World Series game and they had such a remarkable postseason run. And heck, I remember working at 610 Sports Radio two years ago today in the month of November. People didn't even want to hear about the Chiefs, even though they were bouncing back and all. People did not want to hear about this football team. People wanted to hear, and it was actually three years ago now that I remember, but uh, people still wanted to hear about the Royals offseason after losing to the Giants in the World Series. People didn't want to hear about the Chiefs regular season. And now here we are, of course, the tide has turned. And I think people have got to understand that at the end of the day, if you have Andy Reid as your head coach, never count this team out. Before the season, I had I just was not high on Kareem Hunt. I didn't have necessarily concerns. I just didn't think he'd be as good as some people had thought. Now, nobody thought he'd be as great as he is now, despite being qu- very quiet lately for the Chiefs. But nonetheless, my point here is, if I've learned anything about Andy Reid since, since he's come to Kansas City and the 49 wins, getting ready for his 50th win as the head coach of this franchise, you just never can count him out. You never can. Sure, maybe they have a devastating loss here and there. Maybe maybe a loss that didn't make sense. It's a head-scratcher, a game that the, you should have won against a fairly formidable opponent. But nonetheless, this is, this is Andy Reid we're talking about here. I know he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring, but he has a, a lot more success than a lot of coaches out there in the NFL right now. So as long as you have Andy Reid as your head coach, keep that confidence level high. Because I'm not seeing a high level of confidence from a lot of Chiefs fans. And I think that's something that needs to change. Look, again, I posed this question last podcast. Would you rather have the record that the Raiders, Chargers, or Broncos have of... And they all have different records right now. Uh, the Raiders are at 4-5. and five, The Chargers at 3-6. and six, The Broncos also at 3-6. and six. Would you rather have... One of those two records, or would you rather be standing at 6-3 and three right now with this easy schedule coming up and pretty much being given every reason to win the AFC West? I think you guys all know the answer to that. And everybody everybody wants to be in this position right now. Trust me, Raiders fans, Chargers fans, and Broncos fans would kill the trade places with the Chiefs right now and have the record that Kansas City has. So keep keep your heads high. I know the team has looked pretty ugly the past month. But coming off a bye week, I, I, I know Andy Reid's record coming off a bye as a coach as the Chiefs. I'm not talking historically. It's more about what have you done for me lately. Not what have you done historically. More recently, right now. And Andy Reid has not been great for the Chiefs coming off a bye. If you include the postseason loss of the Steelers from last season, the Chiefs are 3-2 and two coming off a bye. That's not bad, but that's certainly not amazing, as, as Chiefs fans like to make it sound when you talk about Andy Reid's success coming off a of bye week, because that was a pretty big story the first time the Chiefs were coming off a of bye week under Andy Reid. That was, of course, a 9-0 start, getting ready to play the Broncos' flex the Sunday night football, and Andy Reid had only one loss with the Eagles in the 14 seasons he was there coming off a of bye. So again... You know, I, I I think it's great, don't get me wrong, but his record coming off a bye here in Kansas City isn't great. Now, 
look, I know I always say my prediction at the end of the podcast after my breakdown, but listen, uh, I, I would just be doing a disservice and lying to you all if I if I told you guys that I'm not expecting the Chiefs to win. It's, they're playing the Giants here. Now, I, I do agree, you never underestimate a team. Andy Reid, as he does in every press conference, he says he he looks forward to the challenge of playing a football team. And of course, he said that the Giants are uh, a very good, talented team, and they're and they've got a good coach in Ben McAdoo. Well, he's been under a lot of hot water lately. And by the way, recently he had a quote-unquote brutally honest meeting with his team, which I don't know really what that means. Kind of makes me wonder: Have they not been having honest meetings <laughs> in the past? Uh, but of course, I you know I'm kidding when I say that. I, I can understand the concept here. I think he's been he, when you hear the words brutally honest, it just means he's probably more harsh on his players and he's letting the players know, look, this one and eight record is not okay, especially coming off a loss against the 49ers, a team who had been winless up to this point. So I can understand what that means. But at the end of the day, you can never underestimate any team in the NFL. You absolutely can't. Even though I'm pred- predicting a good, no, not a good, a great game from the Chiefs in this one. Uh, you, you still got to be very careful. I can still see the Chiefs, if they were to come away with a narrow win, like a game-winning field goal uh, as time expires, I could see the narrative being more negative than positive at the end of the day. But look, a win's a win, and you can never underestimate a team. You just can't. Let's not forget the Chiefs lost to a winless Raiders team a couple of years ago in 2014, and that was pretty brutal. So, uh, it never, never write things out. Just like what I said, what I've been saying for a, a couple of weeks now. Don't just assume the Chiefs are going to lose in the, in the playoffs. Sure, predict that, but people are just writing it off and saying, "Let's get ready for next season." I've seen a couple of tweets, and I don't like that at all. Uh, I, I do want to say one more thing about the Giants. Of course, who the Chiefs are playing, and they, they have been very good this year. But but when you think of the Giants, what what, what do you even think of? Like, what comes to your mind when you think of this football team right now? Because they're a very funny team under Eli Manning. And they they were piddling their way to the playoffs in 2007 and 2011. And despite not having the greatest regular seasons those years, they beat arguably the most dominant team and the most dominant quarterback head coach duo in NFL history and the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They were 11 and 5 last year. They're 1 and 8 this year. Eli Manning has had some pro bowl years and he's had some horrendous years. This is a really really weird Giants franchise under Eli Manning. And that's 2007 season where they went and stopped the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was, even in the regular season, I think Eli Manning had 23 touchdowns and and 20 interceptions. A lot of people were ready to write off Eli as a bust. What does he do? He has that remarkable postseason. They beat the Cowboys after losing to them twice in the regular season. And then in that Super Bowl, you have that crazy play where he almost got sacked, throws that crazy pass to to, uh, uh, David Tyree. I almost said Tyree Kill. uh, To David Tyree... And eventually found Plaxico Burst in the end zone to take the lead and eventually win. 
And then all of a sudden, Eli Manning, he had such a great offense the following year. And then he's had bad offenses here and there, back to being great. This has just been a very strange New York Giants football team. And they brought in Ben McAdoo because they thought maybe he'd been able, he would be able to create more consistency with this team. Of course, he was a, a higher from within. Uh, but you, you, the inconsistency is just continuing with this team. Crazy. Right tackle Justin Pugh won't be playing in this game against the Chiefs due to an injury. The offense will be without him. And speaking of the offense, the Giants offense, that is, according to Pro Football Focus, the highest rated offensive player on the Giants offense right now is slot receiver Sterling Shepard, who has a 79.5 rating from Pro Football Focus. And he's, he leads the team in a couple of categories in the passing game. Second highest rated player on the offense is Eli Manning at 77.6. And then everyone else is 71.5 or below. So that just showed you this Giants offense is not very good whatsoever. 25th in total offense, 18th in the passing game. When you look at Eli Manning, his 15th in passing yards. Just went over the 2,000-yard mark recently. Has 14 touchdowns, 6 picks on the season. He's been sacked 22 times right behind Alex Smith, who's been sacked 24 times on the season. When you look at the rushing department, very bad at that. 25th in that category. Orleans Darkaw leads the team in rushing with 415 yards. He has just one of the two rushing touchdowns this season for the Giants. Eli has the other rushing touchdown. Shane Vereen, Wayne Gallman, also part of the backfield as tailbacks for the Giants. Look at the passing game, the the pass catchers, the receiving game. Rookie tight end Evan Ingram having a fairly solid season, a very good rookie season. I think it's being overshadowed by the team's poor success. But he's done a very good job for the Giants this season. He leads the team in catches with 30 and touchdown catches with 5, as well as first downs with 24 on the season. Sterling Shepard, whose name I mentioned earlier, he's leading the team in receiving yards with 475. But Evan Ingram has been more of the end zone threat. So that's something the Chiefs have got to work around, trying to defend the the offense and making sure they have a good vertical game, not allowing... Shepard to go off on the cornerback. So, of course, Marcus Peters, you've got to put Peters up against Ingram and hope that he has a very good day against him. And generally, he will. I know he's been off in a couple of games this year, but more times than not, Marcus Peters has had a very good season this year uh, for the Chiefs against wide receivers. And as far as Evan Ingram goes, you know the Chiefs, they've got some question marks at safeties. You don't have a lot of confidence and guys like Ron Parker or Daniel Sorensen when they're going up against tight ends. So it may not be the best option, especially without Eric Berry. You know Eric Berry, he can cover even some of the best. Again, he did so against Gronk earlier this year. It'd be interesting to see, because I truly do believe Travis Kelsey's the best tight end. Sure, Gronk is the more dominant when he's healthy. But but, but listen, people people have to use the words when he's healthy whenever they want to say Gronk's the best. And I agree, look, Gronk is probably the best, but that is, of course, when he's healthy. And I think health is a part of your skill set. You've got to be able to stay on the field in order to be good on a consistent basis. And Travis Kelsey has been able to do that, and Gronk hasn't. So, uh, And I'm only saying this because, not that I expect it, but I'd be kind of curious to see, because Travis Kelsey is the best tight end, I'd be curious to see how Eric Berry would do in a game against Travis Kelsey. Now, I know they do it in practice, but look, they don't go full speed. They don't hit each other hard. They're teammates. It's not a live game. Uh, So obviously, we will never see this, uh, or at least 
while they're both in their primes, but uh, it's kind of fun just as a football fan, I'm saying this, just as a football fan, it'd be kind of nice to see, kind of find out who would get the best of who in a Travis Kelsey versus Eric Berry matchup. Because if Eric Berry can get the best of Gronk, kind of makes me wonder if he could do the same thing to a guy like Travis Kelsey. But I, I digress. None of that's really relevant to any of this. But when you look at Engram and what he's been able to accomplish for the Giants this season, you've got to make sure that you know the safeties, they're ready for him. And the linebackers, look, Derek Johnson's not having the greatest season. He's not the Pro Bowl Derek Johnson that we were so used to knowing and loving the past few years. But uh, I, I can see Engram having a fairly good game against the Chiefs in this contest here. Looking at the Giants, and before I move on to the defense, actually, the offense has just had a lot of bad luck this year. They really have. I mean, you want to talk about the Chiefs and some of the injuries they've dealt with? The Giants at one point lost three or four receivers in a game earlier this year. So, they, they I mean, they lost Ordell Beckham Jr. for the season. Uh, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries on offense, and they've been relying on their rookie tight end for a lot of this year. I know Eli Manning hasn't been great, but I don't think he's really the sole problem for the Giants right now. When you look at the defense for the Giants, boy, I, I mean, you want to talk about problems? Don't talk about Eli Manning but when it comes to the Giants. Look at the defense. Second worst defense in the league, allowing 400 yards per game. Third worst defense against the pass, and third worst in stopping the run. They have the, fi- the fifth worst defense when it comes to points allowed, in which they have allowed 26.4 points per game. Listen, when you just look at the defense as a whole for the Giants, and I'll make this short because there really is not a lot to say about this Giants defense. Their players are all below average except for two or three guys. And look, two or three guys alone, unless they're all premier pass rushers, like if you've got a Justin Houston and a Von Miller, okay, maybe you can make a difference there because pass rushers really do have that kind of an impact. But for the most part, I mean, this is a Giants defense that... uh, even at their best, they are an average defense. Look at Khalil Mack and the Oakland Raiders from last year. Khalil Mack had a phenomenal season for for the Raiders, but the Raiders were still last in the league in sacks, even though Khalil Mack was one of the best pass rushers in the league. Landon Collins, a safety for the team, one of the be- one of the better safeties out there in the NFL, has fifty six tackles, which leads the team in that category. Jason Pierre-Paul, who leads the team with four and a half sacks, of course, had a big hand in the team's Super Bowl success a few years ago. They only have four interceptions on defense, and four different players each have one. So there's nobody with multiple interceptions on the season. Damon Harrison's a key player to watch out for for the Giants' defense. He's second on the team in tackles. He's got just one sack. His stats don't show it necessarily, and I think this is the hard part when you look at the team's defense. You've got to definitely look more in-depth and see who's really good and who's not, but... Damon Harrison's one of the better run-stopping defensive linemen in the NFL. One of the best run-stopping defensive tackles. And he's been one of the few bright spots for the Giants. Not just on defense, but really uh, overall as a whole with the football team. Special teams, oh boy. Maybe one of the worst, probably the worst special teams unit in the NFL. Aldrich Rosas, 10 of 15 in field goals this year. That's pretty terrible. He's 4 of 8. In field goals from 40 to 49 yards. And he's 2 of 2 from 50 plus. His longest is from 51. So it's not like he's been making them from that far off. Uh, very inconsistent kicker. So 
You can never really rely on him, especially from those long-range kicks. Punter Brad Wing, last in net average yards per punt. And wide receiver Dwayne Harris handles return duties. He's averaging 20.9 yards per return on kickoffs and 6.9 yards per return on punts. As far as turnovers go, 9 giveaways, 11 or excuse, nine takeaways and 11 giveaways with a minus two turnover differential. Okay, look, I said it before I started the breakdown, okay? I'm not going to sit here and beat around the bush. I'm expecting a dominant game from the Chiefs. When you look at how they looked against the Patriots, that's the kind of performance I'm expecting in this football game. This butt-kicking Chiefs, that team has to return. Remember the swagger they had. I mean, just the confidence they all had in themselves and one another Alex Smith slinging the ball out to Tyree Kill and just watching him burn a, a cornerback and just take it to the end zone and put up the the peace sign the V what about Kareem Hunt in the fourth quarter takeovers that he had and then that in that second game of the season against the Eagles where he would celebrate by putting the football down and using it as a pillow in fact, the funny story about that, I remember uh, working a, a game at Kauffman Stadium shortly after that. Uh, there was a hot dog race going on, and I don't remember what condiment this person was, but the guy who won the hot dog race did the Kareem Hunt uh, sleeping touchdown celebration. That's what we're talking about, the swagger that this team has not had lately. And I think it's there. I mean, I'm not saying it's gone but we haven't seen it lately, and I we, I want to see that really badly in this game. I don't know about you guys, but that's something I want to see alongside a win this Sunday. A dominant win, that is. This Kansas City team, listen, again, I, I'll acknowledge the horrible defense for the Patriots, but nobody goes into Foxborough and just runs over a Patriots team led by Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, like I said earlier in the podcast, arguably the most dominant quarterback head coach duo in NFL history, and shut them out 21-0 in the fourth quarter. No one does that. The Chiefs are the only team that's defeated the best team in the NFL right now in the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know Chiefs fans don't like to talk about how the Eagles are right now the best team in the league. Look, blame it on your own team, because the Chiefs have not been very consistent lately. This football team has the ability to be great. They've been great. But I think right now, after being great to start off the season and where they are right now, I really think they're on that borderline between great and good. And they can bounce back this season and achieve that great mentality, that great status with this football team. And they need that going into the postseason. And not that they care about perception, but listen, let's be honest, they all hear about the the takes, the perception, what everyone's thinking, especially in this day and age with social media and talk radio and all these TV channels. Uh, and I've said this before. This is why I love MMA, especially MMA fighters, because they're open and honest. They hear the criticism. They admit when they're upset when an announcer discredits them or uh, underestimates them. So this Chiefs team really needs to look good. And they have the, the chance to do so. Starting this Sunday against a horrible defense. Second worst in yards allowed. They're allowing 400 yards per game. 400. 
There's no reason why the Chiefs cannot run all over this team. There's no reason why Alex Smith cannot look as dominant as he did in week one when he opened up the season leading the league in passing yards. There's no reason why Kareem Hunt cannot have 150 rushing yards in this football game and have that fourth quarter takeover that he's so great at. Or at least he was earlier in the in the season, the first six games, first six, seven games. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you guys know the story with them. Those are guys who have certainly played a huge role in this offense. Moving the football and doing a lot of things. Moving the change, getting closer to the end zone, and of course being one of the best teams, second in the AFC in total touchdowns. And defensively speaking, look, Kansas City's defense has not been very good. So people may say, hey, look, this is an opportunity for the Giants to really pull off an upset here. If they can move the football, if Eli Manning can be the good Eli Manning that we that we know of, perhaps he could he could do some things in this game. But uh, listen, I, I just feel like this Chiefs team, when you've got, a, a, and I don't want to say a strong front seven, because this, this Chiefs front seven hasn't been very strong lately. But if they can also, maybe how Giants fans would feel about Eli Manning coming into this game, if he can be the good Eli Manning. Well, same thing about this Chiefs defense, because this is not a very powerful offensive line. This is not a very good offensive line. This is a pretty weak offensive line that has allowed 22 sacks on the season, which is very high, right behind Alex Smith. As I mentioned, Alex Smith's been sacked 24 times. So this is an opportunity for the defense to also get back into the rhythm of things, try to Try to show their dominance that they've had in previous years. And speaking of the offense, or the defense, excuse me. Oh boy, uh, Tom Bahali's knee has started to swell up, which is never a good thing. Especially a guy who you've been wanting to come back. And he looked fairly good against the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago. But did not participate in practice Wednesday. Again, that's nothing out of the ordinary for a guy like Tom Bahali, but... When you hear about his knee swelling up, it does raise some concerns here. Alan Bailey, by, also, by the way, did not participate uh, due to a knee injury that he's been dealing with. D4 did not participate in practice on Wednesday because of a back injury. Benny Logan, another defensive lineman for the Chiefs, was a full participant who's been dealing with a knee injury. As far as the offensive side goes, with injuries go, uh, Demetrius Harris... Shoulder injury, full participant, as was Mitch Morse, who returned recently. He he had a he's been dealing with a foot injury. He's a full participant. Uh, Albert Wilson, uh, one to keep in mind, who I think has had a fairly good season for the Chiefs. He's been able to make some plays here and there, especially when they use Tyree Kill as a decoy. And defenses never know what the hell to do, whether to follow him or whether to just understand that he's a decoy. Uh, at the end of the day, defenses follow him because it's better to. Risk going after him rather than letting him go in for an easy touchdown because you know he can do a lot of damage when he's able to fool a defense and have a lot of green in front of him and not have a lot of defenders to deal with. But Albert Wilson, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury lately. A lot of people were hoping that he would be able to come back, especially with this bye week. He'd be able to come back this week when the Chiefs return to action. But right now, who knows if that's going to be the case or not. Uh, he, He did not participate in practice on Wednesday because of the hamstring injury. So, uh, I'll, of course, keep you guys posted on social media, facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian and on Twitter at Farzin21. Uh, I mean, if I had to pick one guy who I'd really love to see back, part of me really would love to say Tom Bahali or D Ford uh, to have another pass rusher opposite of Justin Houston to give Eli Manning trouble. But 
I also want to see this offense get going because we haven't seen a whole lot of that either. The defense has, they've been kind of on and off, but they haven't allowed a lot of points. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'll been, I've been guilty of criticizing this defense too much because they haven't necessarily allowed the team to, to light up the scoreboard so much. So I, I, I think you've got to be careful with that a little bit. And, I'd love to see this Chiefs offense get back into the rhythm of things because they haven't necessarily been as dominant, and I think Albert Wilson would help out with that a little bit to give them some versatility, to give them another weapon. And keep in mind, Albert Wilson's a speedster. I know we talk so much about Tyree Kill and DeAnthony Thomas, Akeem Hunt, Kareem Hunt, uh, and even Travis Kelsey, the speed he has for a guy his size at his position. But a lot of people forget that Albert Wilson has that speed as well, and he can do some some damage too when he's got some space in front of him. As far as my score prediction goes, uh, look, I, I know I've been hoping for the Chiefs to come away with some sort of dominant performance, and I, I'm confident it happens this time around. If not, I think we've got a real conversation on our hands for the next podcast. But for right now, I'll pick a 41-17 victory for the Chiefs. I think Kansas City has to be able to go out there, score on their over. First of all, not even allow, not just not allow an opening uh, score on, on the New York Giants opening possession, but come away with a turnover. Make a statement early coming off a of bye week, especially when you've dropped three of your last four games. Prove that you're hungry. Prove that you're out for blood. Go out there and kick some butt. And Kansas City's offense... You've got to score a touchdown on your first two drives. I know that may be asking a lot, but listen, this is not a good Giants. This is a horrible Giants team. Go make a statement. I know at the end of the day, dominating a Giants team is not impressive. Why? Because that's what's expected. So go do what what most teams would do. Open up your, your first two possessions with touchdowns. Dominate on defense early on and set the tone early let let everyone know that you're back and you are ready to roll over and beat up all these other teams remaining on your schedule because this Chiefs team has the capability of doing so and the best team on their schedule the Buffalo Bills they just changed their quarterback so what does that tell you about what the competition left there's an opportunity for them to win out if I had to give you guys a prediction right now I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs lose another game the rest of the season. So if you don't want to listen to my podcast the rest of the season, simply because you were just listening for predictions, well, hopefully you guys keep listening. But I'll tell you right now, I'm expecting a win from here on out. Every single game in the regular season. Just in the regular season for now. Maybe my postseason prediction changes when we get to that point. We'll talk about that when we cross that bridge. But for right now, I don't see the Chiefs dropping a football game. Maybe you have one upset, but I don't think it happens. I Just not under Andy Reid, not the way the Chiefs have looked three of their last four games. Coming off a of bye week, the Chiefs are going to look really good. I think they will. And it starts this Sunday with a 41-17 win over the Giants. Let's go around the NFL. And look, I was just talking about this, so let's start off with that. Tyrod Taylor benched for rookie quarterback Nathan Peterman. Now, look, I I understand stat lines don't tell the entire story. But Tyrod Taylor, he's thrown for almost 1,700 yards. Eh, Not great. But he has 10 touchdowns 
and three interceptions on the season. And he's also got a pair of touchdowns on the ground. He has a 91.4 QB rating. The Buffalo Bills are 5-4. And, and they bench their quarterback. One of the shocking stories in the NFL this week. Probably the, well, the most shocking. Well, maybe the upcoming story might be a shocking one. We'll see. But I don't even know what to make of this. You don't often see teams that have a winning record change uh, change quarterbacks or change head coaches or make a drastic change like this. You don't see that often. And I'm not saying the Buffalo Bills are great. Uh, they're certainly better than what I thought they were going to be this season. But uh, for a guy to have 10 touchdowns, 3 picks, a quarterback rating of 91.4, and you're going to bench him for a rookie quarterback? Oh boy. If Nathan Peterman does not look good, uh, man, uh, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot, lot of criticism surrounding the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott, and listen, I don't care if it's just going to be one game for the Bills. If they look bad against the Chargers on Sunday, man, I'll tell you what, uh, a lot of people will have a lot of things to say about this quarterback change. And Sean McDermott is going to have a lot of questions to answer to. Speaking of questions that I've got, there are a lot of questions with this story. Ezekiel Elliott withdraws from his appeal and will start serving his six-game suspension. His agents said in a press release that this is not... Ezekiel Elliott admitting any wrongdoing, uh, basically in the statement. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. They feel that it is best for him, his teammates, his family, his friends, blah, 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 to go through with this. Uh, basically, they're saying that he just needs to get it over with. And I'll explain why in a moment, it, it, from, from my speculation. But this is kind of interesting. NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy said, quote, his decision speaks for itself. What does that mean? Because this Ezekiel Elliott seemed he was confident that he's in the right and that he's been uh, misused in this situation being handled unfairly with the suspension. And the NFL felt like they were right. And this is a huge back and forth. We didn't even know if he was going to play or not against the Chiefs. And then we found that out 48 hours before the two teams face each other. Now, here's my thing. He's going to come back on Christmas Eve when the when the Cowboys play the Seahawks. Or, uh, yeah, the Seahawks. Here's the thing. You never know if this could go on any longer. It probably could. But if in December, the NFL says, hey, look, your suspension's got to stay. And if the court agrees with it, then he's going to be suspended for the postseason. The Cowboys are kind of in a position right now where they could sneak into the playoffs and... They're going to need Ezekiel Elliott in January. So perhaps they, they said, look, maybe we've got to go through with it and just get it over with. And maybe we can find some sort of resolution later to where they can make up for it if they can find out that he's in the right and the NFL's wrong. Because if he misses, if he misses postseason games, that could be a huge difference maker. Because Ezekiel Elliott's a dominant running back. Look what he did last year as a rookie, winning Rookie of the Year honors. So maybe it's a good idea to get it over with, 
come back in late December and get ready to go with the playoffs. So, man, I don't know. Uh, listen, the NFL's got to do something. Do something. They've just got to do something. If they truly believe someone should be suspended, have a good legal team on hand that can handle these situations and prove that they are right. Because otherwise, we're going to have all this unnecessary, unneeded drama that players and teams have to go through, and it's just not fair to everyone involved. It's just not. The NFL's got to figure something out to get things over with quickly and not have these ridiculous back-and-forth appeals saying someone's suspended, they're not, they are, they're not, they're not. What? What's the final straw here? So, for now, he's serving his suspension, but for all we know, it could change in 24 hours. I don't know. We'll see. But for now... Zeke is pretty much going to go with the suspension, which I think, this time for sure, will stand. Let's go out of bounds. Not good news for Royals baseball fans. ESPN reporting that the Royals are more and more pessimistic about being able to retain Free agents Eric Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain, and Mike Moustakas. Look, I get it. Everyone's Everyone was emotional about this because of what these three guys and, you know, Alcides Escobar, a few others, were able to bring uh, to Kansas City the past couple of years. Something we thought we'd never see, especially a lot of people who never were alive uh, during 1985. And those who were alive thought maybe they'd never see it again. Uh, so, obviously, uh, these guys mean a lot to the city. But, listen, uh he, Here's the thing. Uh, not all good things. All good things must come to an end. Not everything can stay intact forever. It's just not realistic. When you have a lot of success like this, you're going to lose assistant coaches to other teams that are interested. Uh, Dayton Moore. He. I mean, the, the Atlanta Braves are interested in him, and the, the Royals have denied uh, permission for him to to, to do interviews uh, for, for the Braves to do an interview with him. So. Uh, this is, it comes with a territory when you're a great team, uh, like the Royals were for a little bit and, uh, other teams are going to try to take the talent and try to duplicate that kind of success for their own team. So let me just say this. I know Royals baseball, nobody cared about it. And I think it had to do with the fact that it took them 29 years to figure it out. There were empty seats the same season in 2014 when they finally got to the playoffs, even just weeks before. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of interest. And finally, once you saw that there was a realistic shot they could make the playoffs, people started attending games, and we started seeing sellouts on weekdays during the summer, on those hot, humid days here in Kansas City. I'm just curious to know how that's going to go. There was a huge decline in attendance for the Royals this season. I think the month of April, the opening month of baseball season, of course, the Royals had the biggest decline in attendance uh, out of any team in the major leagues. So, who knows if we're, who knows where the attend uh, the interest level will be for the Royals this season? I'm kind of curious for that. I, I just am. I'm just being realistic. I know Royals fans took so much offense to the prediction that they were not going to be good this year, or this past year. Well, look what happened. And uh, I, I just don't know if the fan interest is going to be there anymore moving forward. Maybe just for a little bit, but once a team starts to struggle and when reality sets in again that this is going to take a long time to rebuild again, I think that interest level is going to go down and so will the attendance numbers. KU, by the way, going 2-0 after a sloppy yet good deserving win over a good Kentucky basketball team. And by the way, they're playing without Billy Preston. They, I mean, they only have seven scholarship guys available at the moment. 
Uh, a lot of people were really impressed with how KU looked against Tennessee State in the opener. I was there for that game. My first time going back, by the way, since I was a student, which was very cool to finally be back at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. It just doesn't have the same feel when you're playing a, a conference team like K-State or Texas. Uh, so I definitely want to go back for uh, for one of those big, big 12 showdowns later this year. But as far as KU goes, listen, uh, I know some people were talking about national championship right, not even after, during the Tennessee State game. Everybody slow down, please. Look, I know I've been very critical of Bill Self, and I KU looked great in that game. Don't get me wrong, but let's slow down with these national title talks. All right? There's a reason why we're not number one, actually, first of all. Second of all, let's not forget, Kansas just has a lot of a lot of heartbreaking moments in March. They just do. Uh, I, and I love my Jayhawks. They really do. But at the end of the day, I can't sit here and just write down national titles. Kansas Jayhawks. Yay. Uh, because at the, at the end of the day, uh, I, I also understand that this team just, for whatever reason, struggles making it to the Final Four, especially in the game right before in the Elite Eight. Uh, that loss to Oregon... That hurt more than the Bucknell loss to me, man. Because that was that was at Allen Fieldhouse. You you should have just called it Allen Fieldhouse, okay? You might as well. That was a pro KU Jayhawks crowd that night, and I just can't forget that moment with this team. And I think that's to me what's separating me from a lot of KU fans. Look, I, we know this team's going to make the tournament. We know this team's maybe going to win the Big Twelve again, even though they're they've got a lot of new faces on this team. But at the end of the day, it's about making it to the Final Four. It's about reaching the national title game. And the Jayhawks haven't been able to do that consistently. And look at Roy Williams since he's left KU. He's made it more than KU has. So, I'm just... I'm just we all know they're going to make it in March. I'm just curious to do how they'll do in March. Only time will tell. We'll have to wait and see. Final segment, let's throw a couple of flags. Hey, 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 guess who's making a comeback? There are rumors and speculation that Nate Diaz, remember him? The guy who fought Conor McGregor twice, handed him his defeat, forced him to tap, and they had a legendary rematch in which Conor barely won. Also did so running away at times, but that also brought out a new superstar and a guy named Nate Diaz. Because Conor and Nate have the two highest selling pay-per-views in UFC history, and Nate Diaz, he's been he hasn't fought since that Conor McGregor loss last August, August of 2016, so almost a year and a half gone. Now there are Instagram posts of him putting on laces. He's not doing pr- promotional stuff as much anymore and he's getting ready to fight. Shockingly, coming off a loss, he's about to get a title fight. Rumor is he's going to fight Tyron Woodley. And by the way, for those who don't know who Tyron Woodley is, phenomenal wrestler, hard hitter. And by the way, for those who love MU, he is a he is a Missouri Tiger graduate. So Tyra, Nate Diaz is going to be facing a former MU Tiger in Tyrone Woodley. That's the rumor, at least. That's a couple of reports leaking out here. And by the way, kind of funny story: the UFC has a big event in Las Vegas in six weeks, and they have no main event. And this is the targeted main event that's coming up. So. Uh, listen, the UFC has had some bad luck because Conor McGregor, we talked about him and his silly antics lately. 
and they are just out of luck. Why am I throwing a flag, though? There are a lot of people outraged by this, saying Nate Diaz does not deserve a title match, and he should not be fighting coming off a loss, especially being out of action for a year and a half. This is where a lot of you guys are wrong. First of all, stop pretending to be outraged. Nate Diaz is the money fight now. Everyone wants to see him fight. People have been begging for him to come back. And now that he is back, he's getting a title shot and everyone's outraged by it. Here's the thing with the UFC. Yes, it's a sport like the NFL. But again, like the NFL, it's also a business. And the UFC is trying to make the big money fight. We'll see with UFC 217 what the results will be. But the UFC has not had a million pay-per-view buys so far this year. They had five last year. And Nate Diaz, he can draw a million pay-per-view buys. He certainly can do that. And everyone's going to want to tune in. So stop pretending to be outraged by this. Everyone's going to be tuning in. Whether you're going to be buying a ticket, whether you're going to buy the pay-per-view, or you're going to illegally stream it, whatever it is, everyone's going to want to see this fight. Especially when he's been out of action for a long time. The anticipation is already there. A title fight for Nate Diaz makes it even better. Does he deserve it in that division? Probably not. But look, at the end of the day, the UFC is all about making big money fights. And they've been doing that for a while now. I, I don't like the ranking system. The fact that they've been ignoring it a little bit lately. But man, uh, if it's Nate Diaz coming back, it's going to generate tons of interest in Las Vegas. And uh, I'll be there. I'll, I'm, 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 I'm excited for this. So I'm excited to finally getting a chance to see Nate Diaz in Las Vegas. This one is just flat out embarrassing. So Jimmy Kimmel, uh, his staff rather, and they do a great job with this. They always do great ones like this. I remember they once uh, did, how do you think the Lakers will do in the NBA Finals even though the Lakers were already eliminated? And here are all these bandwagon Laker fans analyzing the the, the upcoming Finals match that the Lakers are, are supposedly in. Um... They, I mean, they always do do funny things like this. Uh, I think they used to have a segment called Lie Witness News. I don't know if they do it as much anymore, but they always do funny videos where they go out on the streets, make up a story, and they try to get people's reaction and opinions on a, on a story that's not even real. You want to talk about fake news? Here's one. So a member of uh, a staff member for Jimmy Kimmel went out to interview people, and she asked she asked people if Hillary Clinton should be impeached. A lot of people said yes. <sighs> Who are these people? Uh, how do you... You can't make this up. You just can't. Oh, oh boy. Oh, look. You, 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 people, people say I get too political on here. No, I don't. I just, I just bring up the funny parts. <laughs> I really do. Uh, okay, all right. Well, there are people who allegedly want uh, Hillary to be impeached. What from? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if she holds a position in the White House that these people know that I don't. Listen, a lot of uh, people who voted for Trump claim that they know uh, politics better than anyone else. Okay, uh, cool. Uh <laughs> This is like this is what we're talking about. And again, I'm not just picking on the whole Donald Trump thing. I'm not, guys. I'm really not. My point, and this is before Donald Trump. Listen, yes, this is a, a political thing. What I'm about to say, but it has nothing to do with Donald Trump, Obama, Hillary, the politics day right now. I'm just saying this right now, like human to human. There are a lot of people who are voting and have the right to vote, 
and they don't know what they're voting for. They truly don't. There are people who voted in this past election, a lot of people who didn't, by the way, which I think is wrong, and there are people who want Hillary Clinton impeached. What from? I <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe you guys could tell me. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just like the Lakers. Seriously, go to Jimmy Kimmel. Just type uh, lie witness news. There are so many great ones that Jimmy Kimmel's done. Uh, and to me, honestly, this is why Jimmy Kimmel, in my opinion, is better than many of the other uh, comedians that we've seen in late nights like David Letterman, Jay Leno. I, I truly do think he's the best, and I think it's because of some of the segments he does when he goes out on the streets talking to people. You really learn about the, I guess, the uh, IQ, the uh, worldwide IQ in, in this in this world that we have. Um, but, oh, boy, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things where... There are a lot of people who are voting, but I just don't know if they know what they're voting for. I don't claim to know a lot about politics, but I certainly will do my research and know what I'm voting for before I go to the polls. There, there's your political statement for this podcast. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. As far as if you get appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode. As always, subscribe to the podcast. Let a friend know about the podcast. If you don't have any friends, tell your neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a classmate. Let everyone know about the Chief Zone Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Interact with me on social media. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Coming off a of bye week. I think Kansas City's got to understand, look, we're pissed off. We're not happy about how we've looked in the last four weeks. It's time to change things, and it starts this Sunday against the Giants. Enjoy the game. I'll be on Facebook Live at halftime and after the game. And then a new episode of the Chiefs on Podcast will be available Sunday evening, so be on the lookout for that. And then from there, we will preview the upcoming game for the Chiefs. In which they will be facing the Buffalo Bills on November the 26th, just shortly after Thanksgiving. Uh, so because of because of the fact next week is Thanksgiving week, we'll have the recap podcast available late Sunday night or early Monday morning. So be on the lookout for that. And then Wednesday morning is when the preview podcast will be out. It'll be out a lot earlier because of Thanksgiving week. So we'll have that out earlier. So if you're going to be on a road trip, you can download the Chiefs on Podcast before you're out on the road early Wednesday morning and uh, be able to listen to it. And it might be a, a bit of a longer show since since it's, it's coming out a bit sooner than usual. So we can make it a longer show. Uh, you know, you guys can listen on your road trips or back home, whatever the case may be. Uh, so it'll be a bit of a longer show. So that's what's going to be going on for the Chiefs on Podcast next week. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy all the games this weekend. Whether it's college football, college basketball, the NFL, whatever it is you want to spend your weekend in doing. Enjoy all of that. Until then, I'll talk to you guys Sunday night or halftime and after the game on Facebook Live. Be on the lookout for all of that. Talk to you then.